morning. Boy, well, it's been good. Worship service. Amanda, that's a pretty song. Thank you. I've been back there sitting. Already emotional this morning. Every time I heard Brent talk about what happened here last Sunday, I get emotional. And I want to start out this morning by sharing a little information uh, with you about some of the details of last Sunday. And uh, I can tell you, too, before I get into the details, this whole week, I have just been pumped up because of what happened here last Sunday. One thing I want to do this morning, real quick. Uh, If you served in some way, if you were a greeter, if you took down the blue chairs, if you put up white tables and white chairs, if you boxed up meals, if you served in any way, if you took phone orders, I would like for you to stand up. Stay standing. If you would, stay standing. And then if any of you are here today that were able to partake of the meal, if you took carryouts or if some were delivered to you, would you stand up? All right. You may be seated. You see, it took a lot of people to put that on last week. And... uh, I just want to say thank you very much from the very bottom of my heart for how you served. Several weeks ago, I stood right here and I announced that we would, uh, we would be having, uh, doing this Easter dinner for our community. And I mentioned that we were going to need a lot of help. And man, I tell you what, you all stepped up. Somewhere around 150 people served in some way last week. Around 150 people worked to take down 550 blue chairs in this room. They worked to put up some 45 or so white tables with about 315 white chairs. Back here in the back corner, Tiffany was in charge of putting together uh, two food lines or two food tables to where we could have four lines so it would all go fast. Thirty plus people filled 500 to go boxes with food to be delivered. A Sunday school class met and made 1,500 heavenly eggs. And two precious people made 1,500 cupcakes and donated uh, equipment uh, for us to use last week. That is an amazing thing. Around 30 people signed up to deliver the 500 meals to the community. And we had three people sign up for cleanup. However, we had about 30 to stick around to help. We cooked and served 396 pounds of ham, 54 big cans of green beans, that's about 300 pounds, 210 pounds of corn, 1,104 dinner rolls, 300 plus pounds of potatoes, and those 1,500 heavenly eggs, and those 1,500 cupcakes. And here's the deal, guys. We don't see too many miracles. You know, we don't. We do. Miracles happen every day. But last week we were very close to witnessing a miracle. And this is why I say that. 
All of that was set up, taken down, set up, delivered, and done by 1230. Less than one hour, everyone had time to, and then everyone had time to come back and have dinner with their family. All because of you who stepped up to serve. All because of you who gave your uh, sacrifice to serving on Easter Sunday. Many of you have uh, family traditions. You have uh, Easter dinner with your family. And I know a lot of you had to sacrifice that. All because of you, 500 uh, deliveries were made. 300 plus dine-in meals right here in this room. And 200 give or take carry-out meals were put together. All totaled around 1,000 meals were served for our very first Easter community dinner. Also, we had multiple churches represented, which I love. Okay? Uh, We had the Church of God here. We had First Baptist Harrisburg, some people here. Star Church people were here. Carrier Mills Social Brethren was represented here. Dorseville, of course, McKinley Avenue, Raleigh First Baptist, and I know that there were more churches represented here last Sunday. The body came together. And when the body comes together, some amazing things happen. I want to tell a quick story or two that came out of our dinner last week. I was in the kitchen helping put together carry-out boxes, and, and Benna came up to me, and she was so excited. She was pumped up. She just had, like, this clear excitement on her face, and she's like, we've got all 140 dinners prepared for the hospital, and we're ready to go. And I said, Benna, that's wonderful. She said, we just need the keys to the van. I said, they're in it, and she was gone like a lightning bolt. She was joyful. She was serving the Lord. And Brent's already mentioned it. What happened here at Dorseville last week? Man, it was attractive. I want to be more like we were last week. People were happy. It was good to be around. Terry and Linda, they were delivering some meals and they were on their way back to the church. Probably with the idea that they may have to deliver more. And they seen a group of kids, I think, what would you say, nine and one woman. And they come back to the church, they want to know if we have plenty of food. They want to take these kids some meals. And I said, absolutely. So they gathered them up, they got after it, they gathered them up, they took these meals to the kids and this woman. And they weren't on the list for delivery. But you see, God used them. To get to those nine kids. They had to wonder. Why are these two people doing this? Well they were doing it because they loved. Love was pouring out of Dorseville last week. And I'm telling you. It was a wonderful thing. Dwayne shared with me this week. How he was able to pray with three of the four deliveries. Uh, that he made. And he said when he came back, he was fully expecting to have to deliver more meals. You know, the idea of delivering 500 meals, uh, you think it's going to take some time. When he got back, all the meals had been delivered. It was time to eat. He was surprised at how fast it went. And one final thing about last Sunday, and we'll get into the Word. Our church church secretary, Lynn Masters, she texted me Monday, and she wanted to know. She said, we're wondering how many meals were served and delivered to our community. And I responded, all totaled, we put together over a thousand meals. And she responded with one word, awesome. And I responded, it was an awesome day, and I 
went on to say, when the church comes together, awesome things happen. And that's how she responded, with a simple amen. When the church comes together, awesome things happen. I left my glasses back there. I can see my notes, but I can't see the Bible. Are they there? That's not good. That's not good at all. Okay, I'll try. So anyway, I believe with every ounce of my being, last Sunday, we got uh, a real good look at how Jesus wants the church to be. Okay, thank you. We'll see how this works. (laughs) Oh, boy. Hey, perfect. Thank you, Lord. All right. So a few weeks ago, Brother Dwayne asked if I wanted to to uh, do a Sunday morning. And you know, I'm not, uh, I, I don't turn too many opportunities uh, down anymore that I know will bring glory to God. Amen. So I said, sure. And he said, well, I'll let you know which one. Okay. So he, he tells me, well, I have you down to do the 8th. The Sunday after Easter. And then he goes on and he asks this question. So, what do you preach on the, the Sunday after Easter? I'm like, well, I kind of have an idea. I was just going to continue on. You know, what happens after the resurrection? You know, we're just going to continue on today. And then we're going to uh, get into uh, Acts chapter 2. Uh, where it talks about a prosperous and growing church. So, and, and so with our example of what happened here last Sunday and where we'll eventually get, hopefully it'll all come together. Um, so we heard last week that the tomb was empty. Okay? Jesus is alive. And Mary Magdalene's word, uh, her words in John chapter 20, verse 18, she says, I have seen the Lord. So then this question is, what happens next? What happens next? You see, Jesus didn't ascend to the Father immediately after his resurrection. I think sometimes people think he Uh, rose up out of the tomb and went on up to the Father, but that didn't happen. Um, Acts chapter 1, verse 3 says this. He, Jesus, also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Jesus stuck around for 40 days. Before he ascended to the Father. There was some unfinished business Jesus had to take care of. In John, there are three times, there's three times where it's recorded uh, there in John where Jesus appeared to the disciples. John 20, verse 19 and 20, it says this. In the evening of the first day, First day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. You know, they had just seen what had happened to Jesus, went to a cross, died, placed in a tomb. They thought they were next. They were afraid. So they put themselves in a room, they locked the door, they locked the windows. And this is what it says. Then Jesus. Then Jesus came. And he stood among them and he said to them, peace to you. Verse 20 says, having said this, he showed them his hands. He showed him his side. 
So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. See, he had to prove to them that he was alive. And not only did he prove to them then that he was alive, but he also calmed their fears. All too often, I believe we are afraid. The second time he appeared to uh, the disciples was in John 20, verses 24 through 29. It says, But one of the twelve, Thomas, called twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples, from the first appearance, they kept telling him, We have seen the Lord. But he said, Thomas says, If I don't see the mark of the nails in his hands, and put my finger into the mark of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. How many doubting Thomases are there in the world today? After eight days, his disciples were indoors again, and Thomas with them. Even though the doors locked were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace to you. And then he approaches Thomas. And he says, Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands. He said, reach out your hand and put it into my side. And he tells Thomas, do not be an unbeliever, but a believer. And Thomas' response to him is, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. But those who believe without seeing are blessed. It says there in 30, verse 30, that uh, Jesus went on and he performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. Now, the third time that Jesus appears to the disciples is one of my most favorite stories in the entire Bible. Verse, or uh, chapter 21, verses 1 through 17 of John. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Simon, Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples were together. I'm going fishing, Simon said. The guys said, well, we're coming with you. They went out and got into the boat, and but that night they did not catch a thing. You guys know this story. When daybreak came, Jesus stood on the shore. However, it says that the the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus calls out men. Uh, You don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered. Jesus says, cast the net on the right side. He told them. And you'll, and you'll find some. So they did this, and they were unable to haul it in because the large number of fish. And it says, therefore, the disciple, uh, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord. They recognized the miracle. And so when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, it says that he tied his outer garment around him, and he plunged into the sea. He had to get to Jesus. He was swimming. They were only about a hundred yards away, and the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish. And when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. 
And then Jesus says, bring some of the fish you just caught. So Peter got up and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. It says 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. These are some details I'm not sure about. And then uh, verse 12, it says, come and have breakfast. This is the third time that is recorded in the book of John where Jesus appeared after going to the cross, the tomb, and resurrection. It's the third time that he appeared and he's having breakfast with the disciples. And Jesus told them, uh, or it says, come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. And then none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. So Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. You know, that's one thing I love about Jesus. He was constantly eating. You know, he was, he was constantly feeding people. You know, it was important to him to have fellowship with his brothers. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. And it says here that now this was the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Now the next part is the part that I love. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Jonas in some Bibles, do you love me? Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus goes on to tell him, then, feed my lambs. Feed them what? Feed them the truth. That's what he's talking about. And then he goes on and he says a second time, Simon, do you love me? And he goes, and Simon says, or Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Well, then shepherd my sheep. That's what it says in my Bible. Shepherd my sheep. Keep them together. You see, quite a ways back in Scripture, he had told Peter, Peter, you're going to be an important person in the church. You're going to be an important person in building the church. And we know what Jesus is doing here. He is restoring Peter from where he had denied knowing Jesus. Three times Peter says, I do not know him. Why? Because he was afraid. He says, I do not know him. And someone else says, surely you were with him. Jesus says it again, I do not know him. I'm telling you, I do not know who he is. So here Jesus is in the process of restoring Peter. He says, do you love me once? Yes, Lord, you know I do. Then feed my lambs. Feed them what? The word. Second time, Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep. Keep them together. It's going to be up to you, Peter. It's going to be up to you to... Teach the truth about me. And then you know what else you're going to have to do, Peter? You're going to have to work hard to keep them all together. So a third time he says, Simon, do you love me? Scripture tells us that by this time Peter is grieved because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? Peter says, Lord, and this man, this is the right answer. He says, Lord, you know everything about me, and you know that I love you. Apply that to yourself today. He knows everything about you and me. So he says, feed my lambs. Feed my lambs, 
Shepherd my sheep, feed my lambs is the way it says it in my Bible. And I believe that means feed my lambs the truth about me. You're going to have to keep them together too, Peter. You're going to have to learn how to shepherd my sheep. And then that third time he says feed my lambs, I'm kind of thinking it means they're going to be hungry. And you're going to have to feed them. You're going to have to find ways to feed my lambs. So these were the three times that Jesus, in the book of John, that Jesus has appeared after uh, the resurrection. He has appeared to the disciples, okay, in the book of John. And then in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, this is what Jesus says. You know, in those, in those 40 days appearing to the disciples after his resurrection, a lot of things took place. And I'm only talking about a few. But it says here, uh, during those 40 days, uh, Jesus spent a lot of time speaking about the kingdom of God. But in verse 4 and 5, This is what Jesus tells the disciples. He says, while he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, Jesus said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus has appeared and he has been talking to the disciples. He's been teaching them all kinds of things about the kingdom. And he's telling them, you need to stay in Jerusalem because something is going to happen. You're going to be given a gift. And that gift is the Holy Spirit. Simple question. Do you have that free gift today? It's free, you know. So the Holy Spirit was promised. Peter was restored. Thomas sees and believes. He proved he was alive and he calmed the fears. And then in Matthew 28, he says this. Verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, Jesus says, Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Man, a lot of things are taking place in these 40 days. He's restoring people. He's teaching about the kingdom. And now he's telling them, guess what? You guys are going to have to go. You're going to have to go, and you're going to have to make disciples in all nations. He is giving them command after command, and these commands are for you and me today as well. So Acts 1, 9 through 11, is the ascension. It says this. After he had said these things, after he had performed these uh, 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 restoration moments, after he had met with the disciples, after he had shared all he wanted to share with the disciples about the kingdom of God, then he says, and this is what happened. After he had said all those things, he was taken up, As they were watching. And a cloud took him out of their sight. And while he was uh, going. They were gazing into heaven. And it says suddenly two men in white clothes stood by them. And they said men of Galilee. Why do you stand here looking up into heaven? This Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven. He's going to be coming back. In the same way you have seen him go. He's coming back. 
So see, a lot of things have happened. Jesus has gone to the cross. We learned about it last week. Died for you and for me, placed in a tomb, rose up from the dead, spent 40 days with the disciples, teaching about the kingdom. A lot of things took place. They had to. The restoration of Peter was necessary. And I'll tell you, we're we're fixing to find out why. So Jesus then ascends to the Father, and then there we go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Dwayne asked me when I was taking him to the airport, he and Judy the other day, where I was going to be, and I said, oh, probably in Acts chapter 2. He said, oh, that's good. I said, yeah, I just can't seem to get out of the book of Acts. And he says, or Judy spoke up from the back seat, and she said, it's a book of action." That was well stated. And it says here in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. And tongues like flames of fire that were divided appeared to them and rested on each one of the disciples. It says here in verse 4, Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit gave them ability for speech. Verse 5, it says, There were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when the sound occurred, a crowd came together and was confused because each one had heard them speaking in his own language. They were astounded, it says, and amazed. And they go on and they say, Look, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us can hear in our own language? Go to verse 11. It says, We hear them speaking the magnificent acts of God in our own languages. They were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this be? And then verse 13, But some sneered. Some sneered and said, They're full of new wine. Verse 14. I love this part. I love this part. And if you do not take anything else out of this church today, you take this one out of here. Verse 14, it says, But Peter stood up. Oh, now, Peter all of a sudden has a boldness. You know, he was afraid and locked behind doors not too long ago. The Holy Spirit is given to him. And now all of a sudden he has a boldness about him. But that's not the part I want you to get. The part I want you to get is what it says. But Peter stood up with the eleven. The men were united. The early church, the disciples and the other followers, some 120 or so, they were United. Last week, we seen what can happen at Dorsville when we unite. These guys were united, and Peter starts preaching, and this is what it says. Uh, He proclaimed to them, men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen to this boldness in his voice. I love it. In my Bible, it says, and pay attention to my word. Peter was afraid of these very people who weeks before were saying, crucify, crucify. He was afraid he was going to be next. And now all of a sudden, he's got the boldness to stand there in front of them and say, and you need to listen to what I'm telling you. 
You see, when you have the gift of the Holy Spirit and you understand that you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, you should have a boldness about yourself to share the good news about Jesus Christ. And that's what Peter had. That's exactly what Peter had. He had a boldness and he had the truth. He had a boldness. He had the gift of the Spirit and he had the truth. And he was getting after it. And he let these guys have it. Go over to verse 22. Jesus says, I'll skip, I'll go back just a little bit. Men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention. And he says, this Jesus, the Nazarene, was a man pointed out to you by God. With miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him. And Peter says, just as you know. They seen it. They witnessed it. They were there. Peter says, you know. You know what you've done. He says, though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, not those men, but God's plan, Though he was delivered up according to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail him to a cross and to kill him. Verse 24. Peter says, God raised him up. God raised him up and ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. That's right. Over to verse 32, Peter continues to preach and he says, God has resurrected this Jesus. He has resurrected this Jesus and Peter says, and we, he and the others, standing up in unity, we are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he has poured out what you both see and hear. Down to 36. Therefore, Peter says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So when they, the very ones that were saying weeks ago, you know, crucify, crucify, when they heard this, they came under deep conviction. They knew what they had done. They knew of their sin. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what must we do? So Peter fired up. He has got their attention. He has got their attention and they're wanting to know what they must do. And Peter says, repent. Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, Peter is, he, he is just preaching here. He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Brothers and sisters, that applies to each and every one of you today. If you do not have that free gift from God, the Holy Spirit, you need to make today the day. Amen. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off and as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And it says here, and then Peter, with many other words, he testified 
And he strongly urged him. Strongly urged him saying, be saved from this corrupt generation. Our generation corrupt today. It's messed up. And this world needs a Savior today more than ever. And we have one. His name is Jesus. You have the ability to repent of your sins and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit today if that's never happened for you. Now I've got four and a half minutes and I'm just now getting into the part that I wanted to. I'm going to make it quick. In my Bible, here in Acts Chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. The title is A Generous and Growing Church. Last week, I seen a generous church. I seen a joyful church. I seen a lot of amazing things happening here at Dorsville last week. And it fired me up. And I'm telling you, we have got a good example of how Jesus wants his church to be right here in verses 41 through 47. Now after Peter and the others were were preaching and teaching the good news of Jesus Christ, it says here in verse 41, So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to the early church. It went from 120 to 3,120 in attendance. If Peter hadn't been restored, that wouldn't have never happened. If the men, the disciples, and the first followers of Jesus Christ would have had any type of division among them, that wouldn't have happened. Apply it to the church today. If we can be united today as believers in Jesus Christ, what are the possibilities of winning those lost and going to hell? What are the possibilities? There's a lot of division in the church today. So it says here in verse 41... Uh, Those that accepted his message, they were baptized. 3,000 were added. Verse, Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to learning the truth. What's that look like today? Sunday morning, small group, church, during Sunday morning worship, Sunday night, Wednesday night, devoting yourself to learning more about the truth about Jesus Christ. We had an excellent message, by the way, last this last Wednesday. I would encourage you to devote yourselves to the teaching. And man, we have a good teacher here at Dorsville. Brother Dwayne, he's, he's a good one. They devoted themselves to the teaching and to the fellowship. Man, fellowship is important. Coming together, all being one. And to the breaking of bread. Here I've read that that was most likely uh, witnessing or remembering what Jesus had done. They would have the Lord's Supper. And then they devoted themselves to prayer. They had a good prayer life. Verse 44, about done. 
and says, now all, all, not one, not a few, but all of the believers were together. They were together. They were together, and it says, and they held all things in common. Verse 45. They sold their possessions and their property, and they distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. They were giving it away. You know, the disciples... They probably remembered the story that Jesus taught about the rich young ruler. You know, and he, they've been teaching these first followers, these 3,000 plus. You know, they probably told that story. You cannot cling to a bunch of stuff. Trust me, I know. And have the relationship that the Lord wants to have with you. So they would sell it. They would get rid of all their stuff. All the the houses, the property. And they might even leave their family. They would get rid of all the stuff that was coming between them. And the relationship with the Lord. And learning more about Jesus. They would get rid of those things that they would cling to. And it says here they would give it. To anyone who had a need. Man, last Sunday, I've seen a lot of sacrifice being made. Now, y'all didn't go out and sell your house or your car and donate to the dinner. But you gave your time, and it's huge. And you gave to those who had a need. And that's what the church is supposed to do. They were doing it in the early days, and we need to still be doing it today. And the needs today are probably way greater than they were then. The needs right here in our community, that's a whole other message. But... We need to learn how to give it away. We need to learn how to come together as the church. We need to learn to have unity in the body. It says that they distribute the proceeds of everything to anyone who had a need. And every day, every day they devoted themselves to meeting together. Now I know that's impossible in today's world. But man, we need to come together as often as we can. And it says here that they broke bread from house to house. This is where they eat. And it says that they ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude. They were a joyful church. You've already heard it two or three times this week or this morning that last Sunday the people that worked were joyful. When you give it away, When you come together as the body and you give things away, when you serve the Lord, when you make sacrifices to Him or for Him, you find yourself being more a a more joyful person. It's a guarantee. Lacking joy in your life? Start serving the Lord. So it says here that they ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. They had favor everywhere they went. Everywhere they went, people seen that they were together. They were unified. They all had the same message. And everywhere they went, they seen the good things, the good deeds that the early church was doing. And so everywhere they went, people were attracted to them. Are people attracted to the church today? Are they saying, man, I want to be a part of that. What they have, I so desire. Or do they see division? 
when they do they, they hear stuff like this and they read crazy stuff on Facebook. Here's what happens in the early church. They ate their food with joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people everywhere they went. And every day, the Lord added to them those who were being saved. When the church comes together, amazing things happen. The lostness in our world today is greater than it ever has been. We have a job to do. And we need to come together to get that job done. They were united. They gave their stuff away. They devoted themselves to meeting together. They broke bread. They had fellowship. They were thankful for what they had. And they praised God for everything. And they had favor with all the people everywhere they went. You see, the early church was attractive. People were interested in what they had. And we hear that the Lord added to their numbers every day. The early church was united. They held all things in common. And they were a giving church. And they were devoted. They were humble. And they were joyful. And because of the way they were, people were being saved. So I finish by saying this. When the church comes together, awesome things. Let's pray. Kind Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to share uh, this morning. Father, I thank you for Dorsville. I want to thank you again for what happened last Sunday. I thank you for that, uh, 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 that example of what happened here, of how we should be not just once or twice a year, but Father, all the time. Help us to be here at Dorsville an attractive church. Help us to, to send out the message of love from Dorsville here that causes people to want to come to know you, Lord. Father, now at this time, I, I, I pray that you speak to the hearts and to the minds of those that are here that if they've never made a decision to follow you, Lord, that uh, today would be that day. I thank you for all things. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we're going to have time of invitation.